Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Liv Larson. How are you, Liv? Woo! I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am so excited to see you. Um, I I hope you know that you are one of my favorites, and um, you are one of the favorites of of so many of the faculty. You're just uh, during your time here at Cal Poly, you were such a bright shining star, and you've continued to be a star as you've as you've left Cal Poly. And we're super excited to follow your career and stay in touch with you. So it's it's really good to really good to see you today. Thank you. That means the world to me. And I am, um, I'm like RPTA EIM's biggest advocate and fan. I was joking with um, some of our our previous students the other day that I like, I joked that I peaked in high school, but now my joke is I peaked in college because <laughs> I, I loved college. And a lot of that was because of our department. So yeah. I'm honored to be here and, and chat about everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let me um, tell everyone a little bit about you really quickly, and then we'll get to learn so much more. Um, Liv is currently a global event marketing specialist for Twilio, and we'll get to hear what Twilio is all about. Did I pronounce that right? I I asked you earlier and... You um, nailed it, Twilio. nailed it. Okay, awesome. Twilio, yeah. Twilio, what a fun name. I can say that a hundred times, right? It sounds awesome. And um, and Liv is a 2020 graduate of our program. So we'll we'll go through that and we'll talk about that as well. I I told Liv that uh I I've been embarrassed that I have not invited her to the podcast. <laughs> and then I look at it and I'm like, she graduated like only like three years ago. It's like 2020, right? And but it's like COVID years. It feels like it magnifies everything, you know. It I don't really know does. If you feel that. Yes, no, for sure. And I um, no, it's funny, Doctor Green. When you messaged me, I was like, yes, I've been waiting because <laughs> I, uh, I I just love listening to the podcast, and I think that um, yeah. honestly, for myself, like after college, it was something that I would plug into all the time and get yeah. little nuggets of information that was beneficial for helping me get to where I am now and even like where I want to go. So um yeah, I'm excited right. to you're so kind. You're so kind. I love that. And um I I also I also told Liv, I was like, you know, I kind of was thinking to myself that I probably need to wait with Liv because she's gonna be a CEO in no time. <laughs> oh and so gosh. I probably want to bring her on when she's a CEO. So we'll have to make a deal that when you're in the C suite, that you'll have to come back on and we'll talk about your journey to the C suite as well. How's that? Oh, I love it. That sounds great. And manifesting <laughs> now, I'm all about. So we can we can speak it into existence. And there then you we'll go. Play this back. Eventually. That's right. Give me like right. 15 years. What it would that would be accurate? Probably. Yeah. 15, <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you yeah. go. I love it. Um. So let's uh let's let the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Liv, tell us where you uh where'd you grow up? Yeah. So. I am originally from the Bay Area, from Pleasanton, which is the East Bay. It's like 45 minutes outside of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, so was pretty fortunate where I lived there my entire life. It was like, people joke like Pleasanton, like Pleasant Town is like what it sounds like. And that totally mm -hmm. to my childhood and how I grew up. Um, yeah. I, was it like, like an idyllic place? It was, yeah. Never moved as a kid. So like spent my entire 
childhood there, like from grade school all the way through high school and um, was really involved in just my high school leadership program and sports and all the fun things that you do growing up. So um, yeah, that was pretty great. Right on. What about your parents? What did your parents do while you were growing up? Yeah, my parents, kind of crazy. I am a first generation college student, which I'm super proud of. And um, my younger sister, who is 23, um, she also went to Cal Poly too. So both of us kind of pioneering the the college experience, but my parents are the best people I know. Um, they worked unbelievably hard to get me where I'm at today, but um, my mom's a flight attendant, so she yeah. travels the world and definitely was the person that gave me my travel bug and love of travel. Um, and then awesome. my dad is, he works in like environmental um, sales. He's like an environmental sales specialist. So um also, again, very self-made entrepreneur, like cleans up the environment. He's the best. Right, right on. Well, shout out to mom and dad. That sounds that sounds awesome. What about what about siblings? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Yep, just my younger sister Claire. Um, well, you already said that. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh no, don't be. You're good. She um, was a Cal Poly grad of. Oh my gosh, she graduated twenty twenty two. Yeah. It's just like so weird to think that she's done with college also. She, yeah. I are, um, we joke that we're like exactly the same in so many ways, but completely uh-huh. different where she is like in healthcare and um, right. yeah, she watches me work for my computer and like doesn't understand when I can't like go on a run with her in the middle of the day. She's like, well, yeah. what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm working. What do you mean? Well, what do you mean? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. She lives That's in the Bay Area with my family and I live in San Diego now. Oh, nice. Now, was your sister part of the reason why you ended up uh, uh, going back to graduate school? You wanted to be stay in slow with her or or not? You would like to think so, maybe. Uh Ah, right. (laughs) My parents were like, you can stay at at Cal Poly for one extra year to like keep an eye on Claire. Like that would Uh be good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was a big plus for when I was considering whether or not I wanted to stay. I was like, well, I get an extra year of being with my sister. So that's, that's great. That is awesome. That is awesome. And we'll get there. I'm sorry to I, I'm sorry to to jump ahead there. But um, so let let's talk a little bit more about that growing up in Pleasanton. So you said you were into uh student government and leadership and sports. Uh what else? What else was what was your what was your identity in high school? Did you what was your jam? Yeah, my jam. Okay. This is I I loved high school. Like I said, I um totally. And I think just by the nature of like where I grew up, it was very, I grew up in a very like tight knit community. Um, and yeah, from like an athletic standpoint was like a swimmer and played volleyball, um, in high school. So met a ton of, I felt like I always had a lot of different friends and like different friend groups just okay. from the different activities I did, which, yeah. uh, in high school is like always like a weird thing because, you know, kids can be clicky and it's just like kind of the worst in that way. But I really liked having all of my different friends that I would hang out with on different occasions. Um, but yeah, I, was yes, gonna I, say, think- I, I picture you as being like the glue, right? Like to <laughs> not to not to make the clicks go away, like get to bridge the gaps between clicks. Like I kind of <laughs> see you as that person. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet. Um, it definitely, I think towards the end of high school just maybe by people getting older that like clicks started disbanding and we're like, wait, we could all just be friends. Like this is way better. Um, So that was a big part of my identity. I 
um, still like hold that very close to who I am now. And even who I was at Cal Poly with playing club volleyball. And I'm super active in my life now too. And love the idea of teams and supporting people um, in that type of like teamwork um, point. But aside from that, also was very involved in student government. Um, I think that that is like my passion, honestly. And I feel like I've carried it into my life in different ways, both at Cal Poly through like Rho Phi Lambda, the um, professional fraternity that like EIM is involved with. And mm-hmm. um, also into what I do now for work is like, so it feels, I'd say to like my friends all the time, like I'm basically like a professional, like leadership student is what it yeah. feels like sometimes, yeah. um, which is like, so I love it so much, but um, yeah, I, d- I was um, really involved all four years throughout high school was my student body president, like the nerd I am and like planned prom was doing right, EI uh, things before I knew EIM was a thing. And um, that's right, when right. I found the major at Cal Poly. I was like, this is for me for sure. Yeah, You know, I have, um, and you've probably, since you, since you said you're a listener, you've probably heard me, my, my path of discovery with kind of understanding, um, where we fit in and how we've attracted students over the years. And I feel like maybe my first like 14 years or so before I started the podcast, I think I kind of missed that element of understanding what a big role that um, that student government, that that ASC plays in promoting um, our our major and and you know specifically special events, right? I mean, right. you know uh, the fact that um, student governments, you know, students in student government and students in leadership are involved in planning events. There, there is a segment of those students who really love it and are like, and then when they find out they can do it you know, at, in college or for a living, it's like, whoa, I love that. That's awesome. So, uh, do you agree? Do you think that's, that really is like a pipeline for us? Oh, I could write a book on this and maybe one day I will, but like, I I could, (laughs) thank you. I could not agree more because it is, it was so crazy to me. I think, especially in my role right now, which I know we'll talk about, but seeing the parallel of like what, it means to be like a student leader on like a high school level or then again amplified on a collegiate level Mm -hmm. and then now what I do professionally it's like all the skills are the same it's about you know project management being able to like connect with people who all have you know different um, priorities and like aligning on okay well this is the most important right now but I don't want to neglect what's important for you Um, and usually creating like an end product which is an experience, an event, a trade show, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so it's just been so wild, like watching. It's like I will be really challenged in my role right now, but then we'll take a couple steps back and be like, no, I've done this before, just in a different I got path. It. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah. So tell me your glory days moment. You know, we uh you said <laughs> you said you peaked in high school and then you were then you said, no, nah, maybe if I peaked in college, but I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna give you a chance to uh to share a glory days moment with us. Like what was your proudest accomplishment before you got to Cal Poly? Oh, before going to Cal Poly. Oh my gosh. Well, I think getting into Cal Poly was a glory day moment for sure. I'll never forget when I found out I got in and I like pulled up to, I I had found out and my mom was home and we both, you know, did the classic like cry situation. Uh Uh Um, And then I had like gone somewhere and came back home and my dad had just gotten home from work and 
he was out on the driveway and I like told him on the driveway that I got in and he cried. My dad never cries. So that was crazy. Um, But prior to that, I would say a glory day moment for me was um, honestly, my experience swimming in high school was like, I think has shaped me into the person I am because swimming Mm -hmm. is the most isolating sport in terms of the way that you practice. Like you're not talking to anyone, your head's down and swimming's not very fun, honestly. Like I look back on it. I'm like, how did I do that for so long? It was um, a sport that gave me a lot of discipline, but um, my senior year of high school, my team, my relay team made it to the CIF like state championship um, meet, which was like super, none of us had swam year round. There was like two people on the relay that swam year round. And the rest of us were just like washed up high school swimmers that swam three months out of the year. Right. people that are like going to swim D1 in college. So it was like, so underdog success story. And um, yeah, we swam, we got like ninth place at the CIF turn. We could care less. We were just happy to be there. So that is awesome. That is awesome. That is a proud moment. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Now let's talk. You you mentioned a little bit about getting into Cal Poly and um and whatnot, and 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 you also mentioned being a first gen student. And I appreciate you sharing that. Tell us about tell us though about that journey to Cal Poly, right? Like um obviously being Bay Area, you 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 knew of Cal Poly, or I, I think I would think you did, but but everybody has their own unique story, right? Like so, how did you find out about Cal Poly? Was there a connection? What was that moment where you realized you really wanted to go? Yeah, definitely. Well, kind of circling back to Pleasanton and the tight-knit community that I grew up in, um, so many of my friends' parents went to Cal Poly. Like, I remember always knowing about Cal Poly from seeing parents wearing sweatshirts at soccer games or, like, whatever it was. So it was a school that I was aware about. And, um, you know, growing up, I told my parents I was going to Stanford and they were like, yeah, sure. We'll see what happens like type of thing. Um, but I think towards my junior year of high school, obviously when you start thinking about college more seriously, um, my, one of my best friends, Taylor Campbell, her older sister, Brooke Campbell, shout out another EIM RPTA. Brooke. Yes. I'm yeah. talking to Brooke tomorrow. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Brooke is amazing. Um, I hope she listens to this because she was honestly the reason that I, um, ended up applying to our program. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of seeing her, she's quite a few years older than us, but seeing her experience Mm -hmm. and then going down with her younger sister, who's one of my best friends, we would visit Cal Poly all the time. And uh, it's like, wow, this is a great school. And then the more I figured out what EIM was, it felt like the right pick. So I applied early decision and got in and was like, I'm good. I'm done. That's where I want to go. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I know that feeling because I applied to I applied to one school and, and got in early decision and didn't apply to any others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, why would I waste when my you time? You know, you know, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk more, obviously, about your time at Cal Poly. I know what an amazing student and what an amazing leader you were here on campus. But um, I want you to share with our listeners a little bit about that. Right. So. You, um, you know, I like to ask, I like to ask guests, uh, a couple different questions along these lines, right? One that's like separate from professional development. Like what was like one of those like memorable moments or memorable things that you did in college that you look back and you're like, wow, when I think about my time, I'll never forget this time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, definitely my experience playing club volleyball, Yeah. club sports, 
that was like, I don't know. And I don't think it's just in specific to Cal Poly. I think many universities have programs like this, but Cal Poly's is just so well done. And um, club volleyball in particular was absolutely like my family in college. And I think the reason why I loved college so much was um, I decided to play and try out my freshman year and instantly was just absorbed into this 60 to 65 person family, basically, where um, we did everything together over the weekends from, you know, hanging out, obviously playing, going to tournaments, um, throwing Christmas parties, like extravagant Friendsgivings, like everything you could imagine. And um, I think looking back on it, one of the biggest things that I don't think I took for granted during my time there because I realized how special it was, but we just had so many traditions within the club that were passed down from like, Mm -hmm. I mean, people would come for our alumni weekend for club volleyball who were in their forties, like with their kids. And we would be doing the same traditions every year that they did, um, which I think is like so special and really unique. But um, I would say just my experience playing is like definitely an overall four-year highlight. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, um, so club volleyball has been around for a long time at, at Cal Poly. It's been around for a very long time. I wish I knew exactly like the founding years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I wonder if it like went away at one point and then came back. Um, because I had, um, one of our, one of our former or one of our alums, um, was telling me that they won the national championship the first year of their existence. Um, and this was like within the last 10 years. And I was like, what? I like, couldn't believe that. And, um, because, you know, I was a club sports director at NC state and like, yeah. And our, um, our team just making it to the nationals. And I know that like to go to the nationals, there's like 200, there's like 200 schools at nationals for club. And it's like super competitive. And so I couldn't believe that Cal Poly had won it, but, but that would make a lot more sense now that maybe like the club was defunct for a couple of years or something like that. And then came back and came back really strong. Right. Because of the, the history that you talk about and wow, what an amazing big club, like 65 that, uh, uh, students. That's really awesome. That had to be really, really special. I love that. It was so the best. Let's, let's talk some more about uh, time at Cal Poly and from a professional development perspective. You know, um, I I know how involved you are, and I know what you uh, you know your some of your accomplishments. But I want you to share, like, <laughs> what are uh, what from a professional development perspective? Um, are, are there moments that like stand out where you, where you look back and you're like oh, wow, that really was amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I'm, like, also just – I feel like you know this, Dr. Greenwood, but I'm, like, the cheesiest person of all times, like, just a big old softie over here. But I think that for me, like, I'll never forget one of – I think it was my fall quarter of freshman year. Um, And I should know his name. Is it Chris Johnson, the GPJ? Um, Chris Meyer. Chris Meyer. Meyer. Thank you. Chris, he's listening. I hope he does. (laughs) But Chris Meyer, he's wonderful. And I remember he came to um, one of our classes and like just gave a presentation on George P. Johnson. And if anyone's listening and doesn't necessarily know what that is, um, it's an experiential marketing agency. So they partner with, you know, other companies to put on crazy cool brand activations and events. But I remember he came to one of our classes and me as like a newly 
18, 19 year old, however old you are that year, I was like, that is what I want to do. Like, that's why I'm in this major. Like that seems so cool and fun and creative and amazing. So I just remember feeling that like very early on in college. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that being said, I was totally someone who I think leaned into the learn by doing mentality as again, cheesy as it sounds. I think it's so important with our university to understand that type of opportunity that that brings of like the connections and just honestly getting to try something and say like, oh, this is really cool. I do like trade shows or I do like conventions um, Mm -hmm. or this is something I really don't like, which is totally fine too. So I think throughout college, I for sure tried to dip my toe in as many places as possible. But I would say a general highlight would be um, towards the end of my college experience, it was junior year, I joined Rho Phi Lambda, just getting more exposure to like guest speakers. And then also, I think just the opportunity to be involved in a couple like ancillary events. So one of the first being um, fall quarter of my senior year with Rho Phi, we went to Dreamforce and it was sponsored by GPJ that we were able to go. And that like also was just like reiterating how important and like excited I was about um, conferences and specifically in the tech industry, just because there's big budgets and um, a lot of like cool products you're talking about. But then I think the second piece that made me excited to be part of our industry too was um, I worked with Dr. Lin and a couple other awesome EIM alumni um, on a project called PCMA. So we put together basically like a business plan. And um, as college students went to the PCMA conference, which is like a professional conference for meeting and like association, um, like-minded people and went there and like pitched our business plan and ended up winning, which was like super cool and unexpected. But I remember being very proud of that too. It was awesome. Yeah. 100%. And you know, we've, um, we, we have a pretty amazing legacy in terms of, um, students going to conferences and excelling and and whenever we get into competitions and stuff like that and um with students and um you know we did a we did an academic quiz bowl with with um the National Recreation and Park Association and and um stu- people who have listened they've they've heard us talk about the academic quiz bowl and we were three-time national champions and it was great and then they stopped doing it and we sort of are like we're looking for things to do and dr lynn stepped up and and found this um uh, this with um with pcma and um and i just i was just blown away with how amazing what an amazing team and what an amazing um presentation that you all had and PCMA did it really first class. Like tell us what that was like, because I remember, I remember seeing the video of it and I was just, I remember in particular just being struck with how poised you all were. And, you know, you as one of the main ones, just, just being able to like rattle off. And I think they had you with headsets on and you did like, it was like, (laughs) tell us, tell us what it was like. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find, I think the photo's on my LinkedIn somewhere, so I'll have to send it to you. But it was, um, we had been working on the pitch. It was like, honestly, one of, looking back on it, I'm like, this is very similar to what you do in in real life. But we had been working on the pitch for at least like two months and just kind of solidifying like 
what we wanted to say, the obviously the content behind it too. Um, but we had practiced a ton in Dr. Lynn's like small little office hours office. All of us would pile in there. Right. I usually come after like volleyball practice, sweaty, like sitting next to sweet Luke, um, you know, Luke, our, uh, another alumni of ours. And we oh, would just right. practice over and over again of what we we're going to say. Um, but then kind of looking into like the actual day of, um, they did the conference interviewed us on like what I assume was a broadcast for either like the rest of the event. And then also they had like virtual streaming for people who couldn't join the program in person. So, um, yeah, it was like as a senior in college, that was definitely a moment in the spotlight. It was cool. <laughs> that is really, yeah, that is really awesome. So tell us, um, Liv, you, you know, all of our current students in particular love to hear about your internship, how you got it, um, what that experience was like, um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, because, you know, you, you, you didn't graduate that long ago. You remember how nerve wracking it is to, to, to find, have to find an internship and, you know, you're, you're thinking about graduating, you're thinking about what you're going to do next. So it is a tough time. So, so, um, share some insight with them on how you found your internship and what you did. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so funny because I feel like I haven't thought about my internship in a long time. But when I was recently interviewing for the role I have right now, um, it was something I spoke to a ton in just like understanding what I wanted to do career wise. And then also a lot of the skills that I learned. But um, I guess first and foremost, my internship was with Cal Poly. So I was one of the people that leaned into doing it um, with school. And I think that honestly, if I could give anyone any piece of advice is if you don't know, like just look internally because there's so many different options with Cal Poly that I think are very, you know, parallel to what you could do outside of a collegiate setting as well. Um, But I worked for the parent and family programs and commencement office, which is under student affairs, like under the Dean of Students. Um, And again, that was partially because of my um, rah-rah ASB yeah. Love Cal Poly, ride or die attitude. I was like, I'll yeah. do it for school. I want to plan graduation. That sounds yeah. so fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So myself and actually um, Luke Hazel also, we were like the two commencement um, parent and family program interns um, for the department. So we um, basically, I mean, we started this um, in January. So it was pre-COVID, obviously, when all this happened. But we initially were under the assumption that we were going to help plan like open house commencement um, all of the cultural commencement ceremonies, which at the time there were nine, I'm sure there's plenty more now at Cal Poly too. Um, so it was definitely like a step in the right direction of, I knew I wanted something that would be event like specific. And I liked the idea of having to plan a bunch of different events at the same time, because I knew that that was probably what my professional life would look like. Right. So yeah, that's what I was up to. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. So now let's talk about the time after after Cal Poly. Um, but uh, there's a lo- there's some Cal Poly in there as we <laughs> yeah. as we alluded to earlier, right? Um, you ended up um, very shortly after graduating. You decided to continue on with um, a graduate program, and so you got a master's in. Um, let me make sure I get this right. So organizational leadership and um, get get it right for me. Tell me what yeah. it is. Yeah. No, it's totally, I'm happy to to talk about it too. Um, so 
yes, my my master's degree is in educational leadership and administration, which is um, a program that's through Cal Poly. Um, on my LinkedIn, it says, um, you know, otherwise, because I, I customized it to, I think, the way that, honestly, what I took away from the program. And it's right. sort of a twofold um, answer in terms of the reason I pursued that and um, kind of taking a couple steps back when we were wrapping up senior year at Cal Poly, obviously spring 2020 was a tough time for everyone, but for the event industry in particular was not glamorous. And <laughs> if anything, I think that was still a time in everyone's life where we were like, we're never going to concerts. We're never doing sports again. I, well, yeah. Like as a, an industry, I think we all felt really sort of hopeless in terms of what would happen. So, um, Myself personally, knowing that I had worked for the university, I loved working for Cal Poly and just loved, I've always been really passionate about education too. And um, I think that my end goal eventually is to be a professor and be able to to teach. I think that that's a lot of who I am and um, I love that part of myself. But with that being said, when I, I always had known about the educational leadership and administration program through school. Um, I don't really know how. I think I just was looking on Cal Poly's website and had seen it and had read a little bit about like the different tracks that it offered. And um, for people who might not know that are listening, there's two sort of like main tracks. The first being for educators who are in like the K through 12 system. So people who eventually want to become um, like principals, superintendents, more of like an admin project management type of role within a school setting. Mm -hmm. Um, The other side of the equation, which is what I was more interested in, was like the higher education nonprofit sort of track. So um, obviously a a college campus operates like a business, but then also like a town and like all of these different analogies that you can make. And I was really interested in potentially pursuing a role within student affairs. So whether that was working as like a program coordinator or like program manager, um, I thought that like administration and even um, like admittance, like working in the admin office would be really cool um, through any sort of university setting. So um, once the pandemic hit and I was sort of at a loss with, you know, what is my next step? um, I was fortunate enough to have the support of my parents to be able to pursue that extra program. So it was an 11 month grad program at Cal Poly done entirely remote. I met my colleagues or my colleagues, my, my fellow classmates um, three times. So we Mm -hmm. did entire program on zoom um i was lucky enough to live in san luis obispo the entire time so i continued to work for the university i worked for cal poly the entire time and um as a graduate coordinator so basically took my internship and went up like one extra level where i was um working underneath my boss and um at a 40 hours a week and did grad school on top of it and learned so much about myself and i think really kind of brought me to a different level that I don't think I would have hit otherwise, like from just the way that I think um, in a lot of ways, like research wise, the way that I write um, that I don't think I would have gotten from, you know, not pursuing it. Right, 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 right. Well, I love it. And um, so proud of you for that too. And and I know how well you, you represented, uh, uh, you know, not only represented yourself, but represented us as a, as a graduate of our program and, so many, you know, so many of our students have done that over the years, and that that has helped to um, 
I feel like really boost us. You know, I was um, I was lucky enough a couple of nights ago, Dr. Rue and I um, got invited to sit in the president's suite for a football game. And wow. uh, yeah. And so, but so many of the the people that we talked to were like, oh yeah, I know one of your students who works here and here. And, you know, it was just like everyone we talked to knew one of our students, right. Knew one of our alums and was like, and that has just benefited us, I think, so greatly. Just just you all being out in the community, whether it be um, here in San Luis Obispo or, you know, the university or all over the world, right? Like we're getting ready to talk about. Um, so you you ended up, you've, you've gone down the tech path um, yes. over the last few years, uh, moving out of your, your experience with Cal Poly and getting your master's degree. So I'm, I'm curious about that, uh, seeming pivot, right? Not yes. really a pivot from your undergraduate degree, but a little bit of a pivot from your master's degree, right? For so sure. what led you to, um, to the roles that you've accepted? So, um, so Liv has worked for NetSuite and then um, Rocket and now Twilio. And um, we, we won't go through each one talking about each one, but I am curious about that pivot to tech. What what led you down that, that path? Yeah, 100%. And this was something I was very excited to talk, like I mentioned to you over email about on the podcast, because I feel like if, if anyone's listening, <laughs> the, my biggest thing that I would just myself wanted to hear, like Olivia, three years or four years ago would want to hear yeah. is like your career. And I still tell myself this all the time and need the constant reminder that yeah. your career does not have to be linear. It doesn't have to be get this degree, get this master's degree, go do this. If it is that amazing, like rock wow. on, that's so great. And, um, you know, people that have that, I think just maybe have known that for a really long time. But I think for so many of us, there are so many different paths you have to explore and go down in order to figure out what you like and what is right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the biggest thing too is like, what's for you isn't going to miss you. And if anything, mm -hmm. sometimes you take these jobs where you're like, this is so not me, but I'm learning something that, uh -huh. oh my gosh, in three years, like I am going back to something I learned before. I'm like, wow, that is why I was supposed to do this. So oh. um, to answer your question, I've always loved the tech industry. And that was honestly from that experience going to Dreamforce. Um, I was standing like on... Howard Street in San Francisco and they had put turf down on the ground and it was like we built this national forest that was like the Salesforce Dreamforce experience. I said this yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah. And I am a nerd and think that tech products are cool too. So that's another yeah. twofold of it. Yeah. Um but yes, when I finished my masters or was getting close to finishing my masters, honestly, in the spirit of transparency was panicking because I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was looking at jobs in higher ed and um had a really candid conversation with my manager at the time. And he said, Olivia, like higher ed's not going anywhere. It's something you can revisit in the future. Like if you want a remote job and to take advantage of this opportunity right now, like you should lean into things that you've already thought about. And that for me, that was tech and corporate event planning. And um, when I looked into that initially, there weren't a ton of roles available in that that were entry level. So right. I took kind of a spin on things and said, you know what, I'm going to get my foot in the door somewhere. Um, which was with NetSuite as a BDR. Um, if anyone's listening that does sales, I love you. You're amazing. It's a very hard job, but I think I learned so much right. in that role of right. cold calling and 
talking uh, to people that don't want to talk to you and all of those fun things. But right. um, honestly, through that experience, I learned so much just about the tech industry in general and like what it means to, you know, sell tech products or like what products do these large companies use type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, I was selling ERP systems. It's not glamorous at all. But right. um, fast forward, like about six months into that role. Again, this is definitely like against the status quo taboo. I was reached out to by someone I knew from high school and um, a very good friend of mine, actually. And he was like, Olivia, I know about this startup that's hiring for like a technical recruiter and someone who could also support their marketing. Like, would you be interested? Uh-huh. And instantly I was like, tech recruiting, like, I don't know anything about software development or engineering like how am I going to do that but what was very enticing to me was the marketing side of it because that's what I studied and what I wanted to do I was like okay well I'll learn learn by doing let's let's try it and I interviewed with them and um, again it was a remote opportunity and something that Mm kind of fit my lifestyle better so I said sure let's give it a go and um, there for about a year and a half um, working for a seed stage startup we're talking like 45 to 50 people where I was constantly talking with our CTO and like our managing director and um, basically to put into light what that startup was, which I think comes full circle into what I do now. It was a technical recruiting firm. So we would partner with other startups or um, really awesome clients like NerdWallet, like some like really big names that we would work with um, a lot of like Bay Area based companies. and um, help them fill like software engineering or product management roles. So within that year and a half, I went from not knowing a single thing about code to being able to rattle off what these developers were building and learning about the products they were building, which was really cool. And I think reignited my interest in just the tech industry in general. Um, But then kind of twofold in that role, I also was helping to plan a lot of like executive dinners or engagements where our C-suite team would go and meet our clients and have opportunities to talk about, you know, just mm-hmm. business and um, sort of like the ways that we could expand our relationships. So um, that I was in that role for about a year and a half, a little over than that, like a year and seven months, um, but definitely was ready to hop into what I knew and loved, which was event marketing and um, landed the role here at Twilio. Yeah, I love it. Well, really quick before we jump to Twilio, you know, I I love um I love this aspect. You know, I've been asked by a couple of people like, "Well, why do a lot of your students or or a lot of your alumni end up in um employee experiences, right? In some yeah. way shape or form, whether it be recruiting or onboarding or or training or whatever it might be, right? That that employee experiences umbrella. And I'm like, well, it's because events kind of originate in a lot of the big companies from employee experiences departments, right? Like you said, putting on events and, and that sort of thing. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate that connection and you sharing that. So let's talk about Twilio and tell us, tell us first of all, what Twilio does. And then we'll, well, I'll ask you a few more questions. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Twilio is, um, we just celebrated our 15 year birthday yesterday. So it's kind of a, a, a pretty, in, in the tech world, that's like not that's super good. new. Yeah. It's a yeah. public company. So, you know, IPO'd back in, I think 2016 or 2015, I should probably know that. But with all that being said, Twilio is the product that we offer is basically like a customer engagement tool. Um, I think that's like the easiest way to put it as customer engagement software. 
um, it started off as a like communications tool. So when we like go way back, if you can think like 15 years ago, initially like call centers are being able to basically connect um, a business with their customer, which it's so funny to Dr. Greenwood, like how, you know, like customer engagement and like experience, like that's totally what Twilio stands for is providing good mm-hmm. experiences that our customers can use to connect with their customers. Um, an example that I like to give people pretty often is um, Domino's is like one of our biggest customers. And for instance, when you order like a pizza and, you know, you get those cute text messages saying like, Brian, your pizza's in the oven or your pizza's in the car, your pizza's uh-huh. right around the corner. Uh-huh. Like all of that's powered by Twilio's API. So um, yeah, that's just like one example. But um, we now have expanded our product portfolio into like data and the world of AI and all that fun stuff too. Love it. That's cool. Yeah. So as a global, um, I need to make sure I get your, I I, I had clicked over to Twilio. I need to make sure I get your title right. So as a, a global event marketing specialist, um, tell us about that global part. I happen to know because we've been coordinating for the last um, few weeks. I happen to know you're just in London and Singapore. And and I know you or, you or you told us earlier, obviously, about your mom being a flight attendant. And then I also know that you um, studied abroad in um, in school. You went to the Czech Republic. Is that is that right? Um, and uh, so I know you have the travel bug. So I know that the global part of that global event marketing specialist is pretty special and exciting for us. For you, tell us about that. Is is has that just been an amazing whirlwind to, to jet yes. across the, the world? It's been so awesome. It's been. So I guess to put in a a little explanation of my role in particular, um, I don't want to like, like knock on wood, but this feels like my dream job in terms of like what I wanted coming out of school originally. And I think again, speaking to, um, my master's degree and then going into like a BDR role and then working for kind of a random startup doing like a bunch of just random things and people can't see me, but I'm doing quotations around random things things for so long. So many people were like, Olivia, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't really know, but I'm just doing what feels right. And um, being in my role right now, I'm like, all of that has made sense because I think it's given me the tools to be successful um, in what I do now. So um, a little bit of an explanation of my role in particular. So global event marketing specialist, I work under the global events team at Twilio, which sits underneath our marketing organization. So it's like a a function of our marketing organization. Mm -hmm. And our team helps to support kind of three different types of in-person experiences, if you will. So the first being um, field marketing, which is like trade shows going to events other people set up. Um, The second being internal events. So like President sales clubs, when we do company kickoff, um, my team plans that. Mm-hmm. But then the third, which is in specific what um, my like smaller team under the global events team really oversees is Signal, which is our customer-facing conference. Yeah. Um, so Signal is a conference that travels, which hence is the fun global part of my title. Um, we host the conference in Namer. So traditionally that's in San Francisco where Twilio was founded, um, as well as for our EMEA market, um, which we host it in London. Um, and then also for our APJ market, which this year it was hosted in Singapore. So right. um, essentially we do pretty much 
the same program. Of course, there's um, regional differences for each of them, but host the same conference in three different places. We also have one that happens in Latin America, which is actually happening next week. Um, I don't get to go to that one, sadly, but have been working on that one simultaneously too. So um, yeah, it's been a complete whirlwind. I started this role back in August and it's November now. So within that span of time, have done three signals um, in three different places, which has been the definition of learn by doing. I was brought on my first day. They said, here's your computer. Here's the password. We need you to email all these people and get this information. And it's been awesome. I love it. I love it. And what a great name, Signal. That just, uh, I I just think that's, uh, that's awesome. uh, Awesome branding there on, uh, on uh, Twilio's part. So, so tell us about Singapore. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure London was amazing too, but uh, more people know about London. Um, but uh, I think uh, Singapore, uh, tell us what was, what was one of the highlights of, of the Singapore trip? Yeah, it was so much fun. I think that the biggest highlight was, honestly, I didn't know much about Singapore before going. Um, I was familiar with like the Marina Bay Sands and um, just the fact that Singapore is a very like clean and very like diverse city in terms of being like a melting pot of Southeast Asia, just a ton of different cultures all in one place. Um, but I think the biggest surprise to me was just seeing how quiet it was, which I know that's like doesn't sound as exciting as it is, but it was like the most clean, well kept, like very quiet city, oh. um, which is like vastly different from. Most going to cities in the world, right? <laughs> right. or London, right? Or other places. Um, so it was right. really cool just kind of seeing like the cultural differences of like our attendees or the way that the program unfolded was so different than the um hustle and bustle and even kind of the rowdiness that happened in San Francisco and London. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but it was it was so much fun. I awesome um, loved being able to travel out there and I think one of my favorite parts of my role too is my team is amazing. I have an unbelievable just like set of colleagues and our manager and director of our team is just a blessing. And she really emphasizes the fact that obviously we're traveling for work and um, need to be there to perform. But at the same time, we're traveling around the world. You should build those experiences. That's part of what your work life should be too. Should be too. Yeah. Well, that was, that's, that's my next question. Great lead in right with that work-life balance. So I think sometimes people working in the events world can struggle a little bit with work-life balance, right? Um, It's um, I think there's now correct me if I'm wrong or, or maybe give me a bit of different perspective, but for me, based on my experience, it seems like events folks, just love what they do so much and love the excitement and the energy and the feel of putting on an event that they're willing to work crazy hours. They're willing to put in crazy amounts of time on things right? to get the rush of the experiencing that event. Right. And then maybe they'll think about themselves afterwards. Is that, uh, is that sometimes what happens and, um, correct my stereotype. If no, you do it. think it's different because I know you in particular, and this is also going to give you a chance to, to talk about some of the, uh, some of the things that you've done 
to help your own work-life balance. I know you've gotten into yoga a lot. And um, so, so tell us what, what, it what's, how do you maintain work-life balance as an events uh, person? It's so like your timing's impeccable because I literally had a conversation with my manager about this this afternoon, because I think that, I mean, in anyone's job, work-life balance is always a topic of conversation because I think that if you care, which most people do care about the work they do and the way that they're presenting themselves and like their the product or whatever it is that you're working on, um, it's hard to be able to disconnect or especially from like a work from home setting, be able to fully shut down and turn off. Um, to your point about like the stereotype of event professionals, I think that's completely true from what I've experienced and even how I feel myself, because at the end of the day, like especially in the role that I do, um, we work very closely with like agencies that help to actually do like the production of this is what this demo booth is going to look like, or this is the quantity of like food that we need. So that's not really part of my role. A lot of what I do is the project management internally of working with like speakers or the overall like business goal. And I think mm-hmm. being able to be on that side of it has been even more taxing in terms of just wanting to make sure I'm doing a good job. Um, but with all that being said, I think the biggest thing is just recognizing that there's busy seasons, just like accountants have busy seasons or other professions have busy right. seasons. Right. Um, event professionals absolutely have busy seasons. We have called the last four months signal season because I'd have calls at 7 a.m. with our London team and then 7.30 p.m. with our Singapore team and then you're sprinting in between. But I think oh. just recognizing that it's temporary um, and also being able to remember and hopefully, I mean, I'll say this because I think it's true that it is just a job. At the end of the day, we work in a profession where nobody's life is at risk. And if you need to step away from your computer for an hour and a half to go for a run or go for a walk, like that is just going to make you a better version of yourself when you come back. Um, So I think having the confidence to do that um, has been something that has helped me just sort of manage these busier times. Yeah, of course. I love it. What a great response. So now um, I do want to ask you about your, your side hustle, you know, yeah. <laughs> you got uh, your, your yoga sculpt instructor on the side and you've been doing that for a while. Um, I've yes. just recently, you know, I've been teaching sociocultural dimensions of work and leisure um, for, I guess about five years now. It's, it was, is the GE course that Dr. Schwab and I created and, and a number of the faculty we teach it, but um, I have a, we we have a module on mindfulness and I always tell the students about how, you know, even though I'm teaching about it, like I can't, I can't meditate. I'm terrible at meditating and I've never gotten into yoga because of the involuntary uh, flatulence and, and <laughs> that sort of thing. And, <laughs> but, um, but, but I've recently, uh, I've recently decided that I can do yoga by myself in our little studio office and I'm loving it. I mean, it's mixed in with meditation too, of course. And, um, I just love it. And I feel like, why have I not been doing this all of my life? If I've been doing this all of my life, I would feel so much better. Right. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about your, your little side hustle that you have going on with yoga. Yes. Oh yeah, of course. I am. Um, so I've always loved a side hustle. In college, I worked at High Street Deli, if anyone's from Slow and knows that. Oh, so I, that's I've an awesome always, side hustle. Yeah, it was Basically. great. It, 
High Street Deli made me a millionaire in college. I like to say it just joking, but um, no, I've always loved having, I think like an extra one source of income to be honest. And then two, just sort of like outlet, if you will. And um, when I moved down to San Diego in 2022, I instantly just being an athlete my entire life, I was like, I need to find somewhere where I can go work out and just have a moment to myself. Like you said, that mindfulness, I think for me, carving out an hour in my day to be away from my phone or away from my work um, is really important. And for so many people, that's something that's different. Maybe that's like reading or going for a walk, whatever it is. And for me, it's always been honestly more of the like crazy high intensity types of workouts is like how I keep my peace like in my head. And um, I found Yoga Box, which is the studio I teach at. And the first class I took was a yoga sculpt class, which is what I'm certified in. So in the beginning, it is very like yoga fundamentals. So like lots of breathing and stretching. And then it turns into more of like weightlifting and cardio. And then you end again with that like mindfulness stretching piece. So I really loved it because it was for sure like, I think a hybrid of something I was already really familiar with, like the high intensity type of working out, but then also the mindfulness and intentionality that I knew I needed to keep me sane. And, um, especially in this adult chapter, you know, there's just so many things that go on all the time. Um, but fast forward about six months into living in San Diego, um, the studio put out an offer to have a training for people that wanted to become instructors. And I instantly was like, yes, that sounds awesome. And so much fun. So, um, quickly started doing that and, um, really haven't looked back since I've been teaching for a year now, which is so crazy. Um, and usually do that at 6 a.m. before work, but I've always been a morning person and then on the weekends too. Um, but I think that honestly, the that has been part of what has helped me with work-life balance because it reminds me that there's so much more outside of my nine to five job that fulfills me and makes me feel like I have a community or a purpose or just something that I'm working towards and like constantly trying to improve the way that I am as a teacher, my practice as just a student myself. Um, and it truly has been like, it's changed my life in the best way possible. I've, I like people that follow me on Instagram, um, which anyone who wants to follow me after the podcast, you totally should. Um, but I like, I post about it every single day. Like I've formed the most amazing friendships with people of all different ages and backgrounds. And it's been like the biggest blessing in my life. Love it. Well, you're gonna you're gonna help us pioneer the um Instagram integration. So we've been trying to get the podcast uh posted on Instagram as well. We've got a new social media coordinator and I have forgotten to get uh handles from um from my guests. So I uh will we'll uh we will tag you or we will we will at you on Instagram. Ooh, and so there we uh, go. Yeah, so people can follow you. So that's great. So I'll I'll try to remember to do that afterwards. But um uh I love it, Liv, and I'm so excited to hear that you're doing that. And um and, and yeah, maybe if I get down to San Diego, I'll have to come to uh a studio, although I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I can do that because of the involuntary flatulence, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome anytime front row right next to me. Yep. Yeah. Right. I'll give you you're the like, mic, Dr. Greenwood. You're you like, well, we'll stick you in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I also want to reflect a little bit more on what you talked about, um, with the, the pathway and, and, you know, this, 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 
this whole notion, you know, we're taught growing up that you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, right? And so we just do think it's this linear path. And and so I love the fact that you already gave, uh, you know, your junior year self some advice that, and it's so true, you know, I mean, I was talking to some a friend of mine yesterday about how right after college, I mean, I pretty much started a business and failed and lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was obviously pretty difficult at the time. Right. And, um, I didn't want to have to move back home and substitute teach and, you know, coach and, and do that sort of thing. But, um, but I did, I kind of was forced into that, right. Because of, of the business failing and, um, but you know, you end up where you end up, um, and as long as you look forward and as long as you continue working on yourself, um, you'll find your path. Um, it's when we quit that that obviously that that, you know, can be problematic. <laughs> um, and yes. so yeah. I know you're not a quitter. And I know that uh, I love that you have uh, gone through this journey. And I mean, gosh, I mean, talk about trauma. I mean, you know, graduating in the middle of a, a global pandemic is, is, is traumatic and, and, and is tough. And so I love the spirit that you have live and, um, I've, uh, I've admired you, you know, I never had, didn't have you as a student until senior project. And I always felt like, man, I really want to like have this live Larson. She's like such a star. And, um, and then I got to teach you at senior project. And so that was just great. And, I'm just a a big fan of, of yours, and um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to um, give those current students that that might be getting ready to go out into uh, the working world to give th- them some advice. What advice would you give them um, if they're interested? And if they, you know, they've heard the podcast and they're like, "Oh wow, live live in her path is pretty amazing." I would love to do that sometime. What advice would you give them? Oh my gosh, that's so great. And thank you so much, Dr. Green, for all the kind words. I think the world of you too. And um, I agree with you. I was like, man, senior, pro- I had to wait all the, the, that time to, to get to have a class with you. And um, maybe one day we'll get to like teach together or something. That'd there be you so go. Cool. I would love right? that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll manifest that one too. But in terms of, yeah, that's a great question. I think the first being, honestly, if anyone's listening, please reach out to me because that was one of the biggest things I think in my um, path and just like journey to where I am right now. And that's not to say that this is like, I mean, I'm loving my job so far, but things change all the time, obviously. So I think it's really important to just not be afraid to ask for help or advice or just saying, hey, like I would message random strangers on LinkedIn, whether they were Cal Poly alumni people in roles that I was like, this job seems really cool and ask for 15 minutes of their time. Right. And 95% of the time people said yes. And usually the 5% of the other time they just wouldn't respond. So maybe they don't check LinkedIn, whatever. Right. Um, so don't be afraid to do that. Whether I'm the first person you want to warm up with, like I promise I'll be nice. And, yeah. and just honestly talking to someone I think is huge. So that's my first piece of advice. My second would be to not be complacent, but also don't be worried about what the other people are thinking because every single person post-grad is in the same boat of like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult. I'm not in school anymore. And 
all of these like security blankets of like, this is my major and this is the classes I take. And these are the activities I'm involved in, the sorority I'm in and all of those, like I call them safety blankets, which are great, Mm -hmm. are completely stripped the second you walk across the stage at graduation and turn your tassel and you're thrown out to the world and you're like, I don't know who I am or what I want or anything. And that is okay. I'm 26 and I still don't know, but I know a couple more things than I did when I was 22. And I think that's the best part of all of it is to, you know, continue like questioning um, what it is that I do like and what it is that I don't. But then also if you find yourself in a role and you're there for five months and you're like, this kind of sucks, like don't be complacent and stay, get the hell out of there. Like it's totally fine. You know, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse, but you know, but it's just like I think that that was something I was so scared to do for so long, and um, nobody is second guessing your decision. And if you can tell the story in an interview as to why you decided to leave or move on, people respect that. Everyone's been there. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And yeah, and I don't think hell counts as cursing. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> there we go. I'll I'll stop at that one. Um, I, don't, I don't I don't have to put the e. I don't have to put the yeah, e yeah. on it. <laughs> I think the first person that like drops the f on him on the podcast. No, just kidding. But no, but in all seriousness, and then the last thing you know I would that, say, you know that would be me if anybody that would be you, exactly. one, that would be me, right? <laughs> yeah. But the last thing I would say, honestly, yeah. and I truly feel like I haven't been able to fully be this for myself until probably this year uh-huh. and it's cliche and it's cheesy, but it's just to be the most authentic version of yourself, right. no matter what, even in professional settings, I feel like particularly it can feel like you have to be so buttoned up all the time. And yes, right. in certain industries and in certain situations, a hundred percent, do not get me wrong, but yeah, more than anything, people want to just work with good people and mm. um, being warm and being who you are at your core with a professional mm-hmm. twist to it is going to get you so much further. And um, I think also make you feel more confident because you're just being yourself. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And um, I I love that. Such great advice. And um, I, I tell you, Liv, I could listen to you talk all day. Uh, it's just, uh, you just, uh, you have that, you, you have that magnetic personality and that, that yeah. uh, is just like one of those, uh, one of those things and, and really just appreciate you giving your time and sharing your experience. And we just gotta, we, we, you gotta guarantee me that, you know, uh, you'll come back on. Right. I'm always, I'm always yeah. worried when I, when I get superstars, when they're just early in their career, I'm like, man, I, need, I just need to wait. Well, I just need to wait. I don't want to, I don't want to get her too soon on the podcast, you know, but I, I love the, I love um, how willing you were to come on and just really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for including me and um, I will come back anytime. And if uh, there's ever, I mean, I'll tell you this now too. So yeah. maybe if other Cal Poly professors are listening, I would love to come to Cal Poly too and, and speak there. I love our school and love everything that our major stands for. And um, yes, we have such a special community. Absolutely. And um, I will tell you this and I will tell whoever is out there listening that um, we have some things brewing along those lines and um, we will uh, we will be reaching out um, to uh, to some some of our uh, former former superstars and current superstars and young superstars. We've got just some awesome things in the pipeline that we're going to be rolling out here real soon. 
soon. Dr. Kevin Lynn is just doing an absolutely amazing job as as their Nurem department head, and we're so excited about that. And I don't know if you've heard the news. Did you hear the news that Dr. Hendricks was named interim dean of the college? I did. I did. Yes, a couple so of days awesome. ago. Yeah. Oh, or yesterday, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, maybe this is news to me. I think I knew about I knew about Dr. Lynn. Um, not Dr. Hendricks. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This was just yesterday. It was announced. So, uh, he'll be interim Dean for, um, you know, at least the next like seven months or so. Yeah. So, uh, so he's coming back, he's coming back after retiring last year. So, uh, we're all like super excited. So you couldn't keep him away. It's too much fun for him. No, of course not. No, of course not. I I knew it. No, no, none of us knew this was like a really huge surprise. So we're super excited, but, um, thank you so much, Liv. I really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, can't wait to see you next time you're in slow. I'll, I'll buy you a coffee. Perfect. Well, it's a plan. All right. Awesome. See ya. Bye. Bye.